Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Before we start, settle Bing, bing, bing. Got a morning announcement. And it's of the serious variety. Oh, no. Bing, bing, bing. (laughs) It was our five-year anniversary yesterday. I also found out on that day that we made our perhaps our biggest mistake yet on the podcast. In our last episode, Goldfinger, we discussed the James Bond movie, Goldfinger, and an extreme, extreme connection to The Office because our main couple was named Jim and Pam, and we quoted The Office multiple times. We even shamed my mother for not loving The Office as much as we love The Office. However, it is we that made a giant omission. We failed to make the connection between gold, Golden Face, between Jim from The Office, playing actually Golden Face, being Golden Face in yes. the Michael Scott joint Threat Level Midnight. This is such a relief that it's nothing more serious than that. I have <laughs> to say, I'm just relieved. That's why I build it up so much. I was getting ready to take off the headphones and leave the room. <laughs> I'm so relieved. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That was. Look, I don't think it makes us any less knowledgeable about The Office. This was a just an oversight. But that both of us made. He I feel, literally... I somehow feel better about that, that it was both of us. He works in a gold factory and turned his face blue or gold. And so he golded himself. Instead of he blew himself. And <laughs> see, I tied in Arrested Development and The Office there. Good job. So and you made up for it. He wants the gold to explode on everybody so everyone will be gold. And our episode is called Goldfinger. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The end. <laughs> I, I am truly sorry. But I'm just really relieved. We apologize to anyone who is screaming at their podcast app of choice. Like screaming because I know... There were a few of you, and I imagine that that was incredibly frustrating that you were at the beach or in your car just screaming, golden face. We'll do better. We might not do better, though. It might be time for a rewatch, even though I watched 10 episodes a day when I'm at my parents' house. We did our best, and for some reason, it just wasn't meant to be. And when you have to chalk it up to something like that, it just wasn't wasn't our time. Okay. Anyways, what are we talking about? We are talking about an episode, a repeat, because Dateline was also a repeat. There must be, and well, other shows are winding down, but they usually continue on through the summer with uh, new episodes. But we've had a couple repeats. I'm not sure why. It was very sad, so we probably wouldn't have done it anyways. So this episode is called The Deed. Katie and I are doing the deed. (laughs) I was Uh, waiting. We both feel like we've done this episode, but we haven't. So... (laughs) Wouldn't that be sad if we both had forgotten it and a listener was like, yeah, it's a repeat. We've already had this one. I'm worried that it's called something else. I check the app. I'd like, I check. Yeah, maybe it's called something. I feel uh, very strongly like we have done it. So if we have we the have hair. We record the whole thing. There's two hairstyles in this that make me feel very strongly that we've done it. Or maybe you've just seen it and we were going to do it. And we I just didn't. really hope so. If we have then it's very fitting that for our fifth anniversary, we'd accidentally <laughs> repeat ourselves. It seems right. Oh, that gosh. seems right to me. Because we've had so many episodes, 300 episodes or something. A, a lot of episodes. So there is a chance. There is a chance. So this aired on March 4th, 
2016. It is season 24, episode 31. You can find it on Peacock. And it's hosted by Mr. Dennis Murphy. Hey! We are in South Carolina farmland in Ori County. 2005. Bambi Bennett's granddaddy. I'm going to try not to do too many accents. Maybe I'll do a few. Built a farm on the land and did tobacco farming or tobacco, which is how she pronounces it. Yeah. Bambi's roots here. Are, this is Dennis speaking. Bambi's roots here are as deep as the old oak tree draped in Spanish moss that stands still in the front yard. And then we're not going to hear anything about that tree. But don't forget about that tree. Because Dennis is going to bring it in at the very last line of the episode to tie it all together again. I thought he did a very good circle in this piece. It was very clever. Because I have Spanish moss at the very beginning of my notes and then at the very, very end. Right. And I, but I see what you did there, Dennis. I do see what he did there. It maybe could have been in there maybe once in the middle to like really tie it together. I think it could have been and maybe it was cut. Yeah, maybe. Dennis is pretty good at that. And then Dennis says, they say land is worth dying for because that's the only thing that lasts. And I wrote, what? And then he says, and that might just be the case in this story, or that might just be true in this story. And I'm like, Dennis, are you saying land is worth for dying for? But I don't think that's what you mean. I don't think that's what you mean to say. I think it's exactly what he means to say. I think that's a saying. I think so, too. I don't think we should be encouraging that because Although we I do see want more datelines, we don't want more murders. No, we don't. And this feels like that show on ID Network, that Fear Thy Neighbor. Fear Thy Neighbor. What, the ones when the people always argue over property lines? What, that's fit half of the episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Gotcha. People, it's not worth dying over. It's just land. It's all over the place. You try telling that to someone <laughs> who has land in their family bloodline. Maybe that's the problem. I don't have old money that goes back a long time. I want to live in a van and own no land and just travel around. I have no desire for land. I don't want to be tied to the land. Yeah, but you do want mineral rights. So you (laughs) want what's under the land. Gotcha. Because that's how you get the black gold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there was a whole thing in your family. Mineral rights. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. The mineral rights to this specific land, which I didn't even know was a thing until all of a sudden I was embroiled. But there were no murders that happened because of it yet. Yet. We're going to find out. So Bambi, which is her given name, by the way, was a country girl through and through. Her parents divorced when she was six. Her mom remarried. And then... Her dad and granddaddy died on the same day when she was 12. They don't tell us how. I was very curious about that. If it was both natural on the same day. No, I'm assuming that this was some sort of a farming accident. Uh, Oh, a farming accident? Or a car accident. It's horrible. And that was horrible for her. But she was left the entire property when that happened. Once, Once she would turn 18, she would get all... 240 acres. But what's on the land? Far At that time, there was farming. Right now, Dennis tells us that there the land is all just dirt now. There's no... It used to be lush things that were grown there for farming. But primarily tobacco? Tobacco and maybe corn or something. I don't remember. But now, not so much. Hmm. Okay. 
Bambi and her stepdaddy and her mom moved onto the property when she when her dad and grandfather died. And she loved her stepfather. They called him Big Charlie. And his and she called him She called him Daddy. So there was Dad who passed and then Daddy. And Granddaddy. And she's okay to say Daddy. Yes, she always called him daddy. she has a thick southern accent. She does. And we have discussed this before. It's okay to be a grown person and call your parents mommy and daddy if you are anyone but Chantel from 90 Day Fiance Family Chantel. No. No. If you're southern. If you're southern, it's okay. If you're southern, it's okay. If Chantal from Family Chantel was southern, it'd be fine. They might be Southern, but I don't care. She just, it's. There is nary a trace of an accent. I'm saying if you have that accent, I don't care if you live in Idaho and you have a Southern accent somehow. That's fine. (laughs) Then it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they had fish fries and oyster roast. Fun. Big Charlie was a deacon at church. He converted the old tobacco farm into a shop because he sold and installed glass. He did a lot of glass work. Hmm. And. Bambi's mom, Diane, was a secretary. They were very loving people. They were salt of the earth, a very respectable couple. This this really is salt of the earth. You've got a church deacon and public school secretary. I feel yeah. like before we have questionable salt of the earth, this is actually- Actual salt of the earth. Yeah. The thing. No, nary a scandal that was uncovered by Dateline. So, But were you nervous when they said he was a deacon? Oh, my God. I hear Deacon, and I think you killed your wife so you could sleep with everyone in your church. This is what Dateline has done to us. Yeah. Because immediately we both think of Twisted in Texas or whatever. Twisted Twist. Nick with the Kool-Aid lips, that pastor. I'm thinking of about six different Datelines right now with either a beacon, a deacon, a a pastor. Bishop. Yeah. Bishop. Whatever. Also, you picked this episode. So I'm also thinking that that's where we're headed with this. We are not. The church is a red herring here. A red herring in the fish fry. Yeah. Yeah. So Bambi was less respectable and, and kind of stood out as sort of the black sheep in her family. By the time she was 24, she had been divorced twice. She had two sons. She, Cody and Nathan, she had started popping pain pills or as dennis says to her you were just gobbling them down any way you could get them okay we get it dennis dennis says that to bambi dennis you were just gobbling them down weren't you okay well she didn't say that dennis she had a bit of a pill problem she didn't say i was shoving fistfuls of oxy in my mouth as fast as i could dennis (laughs) valley of shoveling them in yeah gobbling them down any which way you could get them. It's so funny the way he talks to people. He's so delightful. He is delightful because he says everything with the twinkle. Yeah, he does. And he's being extra twinkly in this episode. Yeah, I'm never mad at him, even if sometimes it's like a tiny bit inappropriate. I just love him. It doesn't seem inappropriate to me. It seems just (laughs) for its denisisms at its best. So we do love Dennis. I love Dennis so much. So Mama said to Bambi, Basically, we don't trust you. You make terrible life decisions. And, or as Dennis says, we don't want another whirlwind husband du jour marrying you and getting half the property. 
Wow. But she had been married twice by 24. Yeah. With kids with different fathers. And they were worried about the inheritance of the farm because the farm is in her name now because she's over 18. So they didn't want some her latest bad boy to get all the farm. So the mom, Diane, has Bambi sign over property of the land to her. So Bambi signed over the land. And then she signed ownership. Signed over ownership of the land. And then she signed over her heart. That was a good tennis. That actually broke my heart. She sends her sons to be raised by Big Charlie and her mom, Diane, because it was the best decision for them, even though it was an incredibly hard decision for her to make. Good on you, Bambi. Yes. That's good. She's working hard to try to get her life back in order. Then she meets her next bad boy. She knew he was trouble when he walked in, but she loved him anyways. Rick Gagnon. And he had a goatee and he had a shaved head. And that to her was, I want to say panty dropper, but I feel like no, Katie's going to take that out. That. that was the ticket? That was the ticket for her. So he had a big goatee too. He had big goatee energy. Yeah. Does <laughs> BGE? Stop it. Does, go, does goatee equal bad boy? To her, it does. And the shaved head. That combo was everything to her. She was like, you look like a member of some 41. I'm in. Is that what the no fear mascot guy looks like? Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. No one can see me doing the face. No one can see. But I feel like the no fear dude has that. Okay. So he was a bad boy. However, he tells her she has to get off the pills and helps her. So he was the rare bad boy bag of of wieners. Who's like a good influence? Yeah, I don't. That's a unicorn. I don't think like we've ever seen that. I don't know. He had kind eyes. Yeah, I, it's usually in the movies, those '80s movies where you fall for the bad boy and then you reform them, <laughs> and they help you too. And they're like, it's never really like that. But it yeah. was with Rick, and soon Bambi is back on her feet. She wants her sons back. Diane reluctantly gives the sons back to Bambi, but then she changes her mind. So there was a lot of tension over that. Meanwhile, Rick feels like the family just treats her like crap. That's what he told Dennis. They just treated her like crap. Mm. Just a few weeks after the boys are returned to Bambi, Big Charlie doesn't show up for work and a coworker goes over to the house and finds blood everywhere. Diane and Big Charlie have been shot the night before. Wow. So there's blood everywhere. And we are seeing this very dramatic POV shot of kind of, cr- it's almost like crawling on the floor, like Gollum is on the floor. It's very, it is effective because it is jarring because you're thinking, what monster is crawling on the floor throughout the house? Is the camera on a remote control car? That is possible. I kind of felt like the camera operator is just dragging the camera, uh, like crouching kind of as he's walking, doing like a duck walk. Yeah. Crouching camera, hidden. Duck walk? Yeah. Did it. But it is very effective. It's very eerie. Um, Yeah, it is. And it is, it's a horrible story because these people were, seemed lovely. So we're seeing the camera you know, crawl through the house and there's blood everywhere. It's also a little bit creepy because the house at this point is deserted. So we're not really seeing any furniture. It's like empty, desolate house. 
So, which probably wasn't, I mean, obviously from the crime scene photos, we're not seeing that, but a lot of the house footage we're seeing right now is the actual house, right? I never know, or if Dateline is just using some random footage of a house. I think it is the house because we see it a little later, and I don't, I just don't think anyone's living there right now. Okay. Bambi is getting ready to go antiquing with her mom, Mm -hmm. which sounds fancy in it. I love it. Fun. I mean, I don't have any interest, but Joni, before you get too excited. I'll go with you, Joni. Katie will go with you. So she calls her mom, Cell, and someone from the glass company answers. And the dude that works at the glass company says, Bambi, your mama and daddy's dead. Oh. What? Can, sir, can you have some tact, please? I mean, I guess he said it directly, but. I think they don't mess around. They don't South mess Carolina. around. I would say, no. why don't you come over here? We have to talk. Or I'm going to come to you. Where are you? Can I come to you? No, he's just a straight shooter. Yeah, he's just going to tell it like it no. is. So she goes to the house. She's freaking out. There's police tape everywhere. Her sons are there. They're devastated. They're leaning heavily on their mom's boyfriend, Rick. So everyone is grieving. And it seems like the whole county had gone mad, Dennis tells us, because this is not the first murder. This, this murder had come on the heels of two other brutal killings nearby that we are never going to hear about again, which hmm. seems so important. The police don't seem to be that concerned. Hmm. I'm not mad at Dateline. I'm mad at the police, just to be clear. Who committed those other murders? Exactly. So Vivian Skipper, who is a flower shop lady and a neighbor, who I wish we got more of. I am was so bummed. She's a fla- I love a flower shop lady named Vivian Skipper. Hair done for the interview. Yeah. I, she only gets a few lines. I know. It's not oh, fair. Sorry, Vivian. Sorry, Viv. She, uh, Skip? Skippy? Oh, could be. Skips? So she said everyone was just terrified and on edge. You could feel it in the air tonight that something was terrible. Yeah. Then we meet... Someone who I was a little less fond of, Francis A. Humphreys Jr. Who looks exactly like a Francis A. Humphreys Jr. Esquire. Yes. He is the prosecutor. He wears a bow tie. Right off the bat, I just want to say he does not pull off the bow tie as well as other bow tied lawyers that we have seen. It is askew, and it just doesn't look as good on him, and I know that's harsh, but... That's how I feel. I think that he did just fine in his bow tie. You think so? It's I'm, I wanted to straighten it quite badly. I'm not usually thrilled with bow tied lawyers. I find it a little distracting and a little flippant. But it's a little flippant for law. Yeah. I take law very seriously. I think there must be some psychology behind it, behind what you're trying to convey to the jury by being the bow tie lawyer guy. I think I'm seeing him kind of at an angle, which is also why I think his bow tie looks more askew than it actually is. We're seeing him at an angle. I thought about this. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think you're giving him too much credit on the askewness. And I Uh, think Dateline didn't like him, and I think that's why they didn't straighten it for him. I think it's a jaunty askew. Maybe. It might be on purpose. But he's not. I didn't find him particularly jaunty. He's not jaunty, so he dresses jaunty because he's counteracting it a little bit. I think that bow tie choice, it's just an interesting personality thing. I would like to see a list of people that choose bow ties for their neckwear and then a list of their main personality traits, how they're described by friends and five words. Right. I wonder. So 
Francis A. Humphreys Jr. Esquire, he notices from the crime scene that the there's obviously blood everywhere, but there's also droplets that show that the killer had dripped some blood on the way out. And it wasn't the victim's blood. So he thinks the person who committed the crime was a bleeder. I didn't like that. I don't love that. I don't love that. It, it sounds like a pig. It, it reminds me of the DNA thing where they say they were a secretor, Erna. Yeah. You know? Why can't you just say they, they bled? Not that they were... They're no, there's nothing inherently wrong with their platelet counts or anything like that that makes them not able to heal from a cut. That would be what I would call a bleeder. But... You're oh, sorry, bled. like a hemophiliac. A hemophiliac. They, they they just were bled. English royalty from long ago, but it also seems like something Dennis might say offhandedly. Yeah. Oh, he was a bleeder. Yes, like totally. that. And so I'm wondering if this man doesn't normally say that, but because Dennis is so, you know, colloquial, he right. decided to. If Dennis had said it, up. I would have laughed. But right. I don't know you, Francis. You can't yeah. charm me we don't, like that. We don't know you like that, Francis. Yeah. We don't know. So police bring in Bambi and Rick, and they test them for gunshot residue. They photograph Rick with no shirt on. They're looking for blood. They're looking for scratches. They both say that they were at home together during the murder. But with the boys. With the boys in another room, sleeping. Yeah. But the boys After- are not young. The boys are... Are old enough to be able to probably know if their parents are there. They're not three. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. So. so after the interviews, the police drive them back to the farm because that's where Bambi, her car was when she was taken to the police. Yeah. So this is where, this is the whole crux of the case right here. And it so, got a little confusing for me. So I'm very excited that you're going to tell me about it. Great. Oh, oh that's the pressure. So. <laughs> Police drive them back to the farm so that they can drive back to their house. But when they drop them off, Bambi realizes she left her keys and her phone in the police car. So they're basically stranded at her parents' house at the crime scene because apparently Rick didn't have a cell phone. And this was 2005. I guess it's not that weird that he didn't have a cell phone. Or maybe it was dead. So... They need to get home. They can't call the police. They have no phone. So they're going to take their mom's car, Diane's car, and they need the keys, though, and the keys are inside. So Bambi sends Rick inside to look for the keys or maybe a phone so they could call the police to come back with her stuff. Rick so goes looking inside. looking for her cell phone, Diane's cell phone. Her cell phone is in the police car, but maybe but- one of her parents had a cell phone. Sorry. I don't know about you, but I would assume that this home had a landline. I question that as well. But I think at that point, you're probably just exhausted. You're done with talking to the police. You think, I'll get my stuff from them tomorrow. I just want to go home. My mom's car is right there. I'm going to take my mom's car, grab her keys from inside. I would still, if my mom and my daddy had been murdered, Mm -hmm. I would be worried about taking their property off the premises the crime scene has been cleared by then there's no okay. tape up or anything would you still be worried i would because i'm a dateline watcher me too okay so it's this probably is just 2005 that. this is kind of before the huge true crime explosion i mean it's post oj so we knew about dna and stuff but it's still i don't think it was as much maybe csi was on so i don't know 
But also you're in that moment, you're in that grief, you're probably just exhausted, you've been up all day, you've been at the police station all day, you're just like, I just want to go home. So pop in, get the keys. Rick goes in, there's blood everywhere. And oddly, the police have released it as a crime from being a crime scene, but they told the family they have to clean it up. And there's just blood everywhere. I think that's normal. I think that's normal, but they have those companies that do that. And it should be I hope they gave them a list or a card. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to pay for it. I'll pay for it. Call me and I'll foot the bill because you shouldn't have to do that. That's horrible. I have a feeling that they might city pays for part something. I don't know. I don't know how that works. So Rick says he's tiptoeing through the blood that's everywhere he gets to the bathroom he sees bambi outside through the window of the bathroom and she's crying just being there she's so upset she's screaming mama and she's just devastated still so rick closes the bathroom blinds so that bambi wouldn't see inside and see all the blood he had to step in the blood to do that. And when he goes outside with the mom's keys, Bambi says, wipe your feet. I don't want you to get blood in my mom's truck because there was blood on his boots now. And this was one of those sliding door moments where everything oh. could have been different if they had just made a different decision at that point. Everyone has those sliding door moments, including your parents and your grandparents. And you might not know those stories from your relatives because you never thought to ask, was there one decision that you faced where if you did one thing, everything would be fine? And if you did the other thing, you'd be the main character on a Dateline episode. I also feel like the answer to that question might sometimes be yes, but you wouldn't be here. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a difficult answer. But you still want to know those stories. You still want to know those stories. And StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and whoever the father figure in your life is, your dad, your uncle, grandfather, godfather, connect and tell you a story you can't unhear. Can you do a godfather voice, please? I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story you can't forget. There we go. Thank you. You're welcome. Every week, StoryWorth <laughs> emails your dad or father figure a thought-provoking question of your choice from a ton of possible options, questions that are lighthearted, like what is your favorite childhood memory, or some that are more serious, like have you ever feared for your life? Ooh. And those are how you really get to know someone by asking those questions. I can't wait to hear my dad's answers to those questions because after Joni doing this service for two years, I'm trying to get my dad on the story worth train. My dad's current stories are getting a little stale. It's all like I showed up for a date with your mom and she had her bags packed and she forced me into marrying her and I've been trapped for 47 years. And you know why you can't figure figure that crossword puzzle out, Kimberly? Because you went to public school. I got scholarships to private school. We've heard all Bob's stories before, Bob. So we need some new stories. After the year, StoryWorth compiles all of the answers your dad sends in, including photos, into a keepsake book that the whole family can share for generations. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash date dateline. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash date dateline to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash date dateline. 
And you know what, Bob? If you won't take me up on this, I think I might give one to my second father or father figure in my life, a.k.a. Josh Mankiewicz. Oh. <laughs> or Dennis Murphy. Dennis Murphy, Josh Mankiewicz, Keith Morrison, because you know they have some good stories. I, I am highly considering sending them a subscription to StoryWorth if they do it. I would love that. I'm also, I would like to pitch in for Bob's story worth because I would really like to hear Bob's stories. Bob, Bob, the world is waiting. This is your challenge. We're laying down the gauntlet. Story worth is your oyster. Let it rip. (laughs) Let her rip, Bob. Thank you, story worth. Thank you, story worth. So the bow tied Francis A. Humphreys Jr. Esquire Esquire thinks that it wasn't a robbery. He never discusses those other murders, though. Those other two brutal murders. They're literally never mentioned again. Were they strangers? Were they, were, did you catch the person that did it? Were they family? Were, was it a spouse thing? Who, why are you not considering it in a small town that never has murders? And then you have some brutal murders. I really want to know. I yeah, found it frustrating. Yeah. So Bambi, this is why, because in her first interview with the police, Bambi tells them that there had been a long family feud over this property. That was all they needed to hear. Basically, her mom, Diane, wanted the land to be saved for the grandkids, and she kind of thought Bambi would blow it. Or as Dennis says, I love my daughter, but she's beyond hope. (laughs) Dennis. Only Dennis. So Bambi wants the property back. She wants her kids back. She wants the pot. She got her groove back and she wants her kids and the property back. They were fighting over both. But Bambi tells the police she understood how hard of a decision it was for the grandparents to give back the grandkids. She knew that it was understandable that there was tension. She calls it a feud. They were going antiquing that day. Maybe antiquing is something you do with someone if you're trying to patch up a feud or trying to make things appear normal. I think they were trying to get back on track. I think this is a tale as old as time situation when you have an addict daughter that you're taking care of their kids Mm -hmm. and then you're sort of hoping that they're on the straight and narrow, but it's also very stressful then if the kids are involved and they're there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. I think it would be hard for any grandparent to give up that kind of control. Yes, and to rebuild the trust with your child. Yeah, but then you also kind of have to. So it's a pickle for everyone. Yeah. It's a pickle. So four months before the murder, Diane and Bambi were yelling at each other, having a huge fight. And it was so much that Diane called 911. And the responding officer is recording on his body cam, so we're kind of seeing this. And Diane, first of all, apologizes to the officer for bothering him, which is so makes me sad because that's how nice Diane was. Also, that's what I would do. Also, don't be you don't have to be such a people pleaser. He you it's fine. You, so you're you're okay with it, but thing. you're not okay with it. <laughs> I would do the same thing, but I'm it's telling okay. me and I'm telling Diane, rest her soul, it's okay that he came to help you and that you bothered him. So she's telling him, Bambi just does what she wants to do. She picks up the kids when she wants to. She doesn't provide anything for them. And then she says Bambi threatened her. She scares her. She got in my face and she jerked the phone out of my hands. And then she says what Dennis would probably call the coup de grace. If anything happens to me, you'll know that she's the responsible person. Ugh. Which is, that's it. 
I don't know, though. I Did she say it in a way that was serious or like, look, if something happens to me, it was her? I mean, she was serious enough that she called 911 there. And yeah. she didn't seem to be a person prone to hysterics. It's not great. Yeah. So the bow tie man, Humphreys, thinks that her boyfriend, Rick, must have helped Bambi to do it. They were in it together. They gave each other the alibi uh, that they were at home. And he would do anything for Bambi. And so this is a big plan. He's waiting for the DNA to come back from the blood at the crime scene. In the meantime, he gets a search warrant and he looks at Rick and Bambi's things. And he pulls in Rick's shoes from the day of the crime. And there is blood on Rick's shoes. Well, yeah, because you let them back to the house. Because they went back in the house. They test the blood on the shoes and it's big Charlie's blood, which again makes sense because he went in the house to get the keys. Exactly what he told us. Exactly. The police had photographed things when they first were brought into the from right after when they pulled up to the crime scene. They were brought into the interrogation. There's no blood on those photos. So no blood on the shoes before then. Blood after when he says he went into the house to grab the keys. So the prosecutor thinks he's lying. He doesn't buy that story. They also see what might be blood on Bambi's cowboy boots. He's so convinced that it's them. He has them take polygraphs. They both agree to it. And they both show deception. Ooh, that's bad. They bring in Bambi, and she's now more sassy, and she's wearing overalls, and she's kind of annoyed with them at this point. And they have the bad cop in there. You can tell it's the bad cop, because the bad cop is like, do you want to be charged with something? She says, I didn't do anything. He's really aggressive. Really aggressive. Do you want to be charged with something? And Bambi says, I don't want to be charged. I'm not going to be charged, because I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And the detective says... We done lock her A up, put some handcuffs on her, take her to jail, charge her with two counts of murder. Not having it. He's not having any of her attitude. I would love to see what led up to this because you can tell this is the end. But what happened in between all this? Hi, Bambi. Do you want to be charged with something? Yeah, it definitely wasn't that. But also, overalls make you feel sassy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Do you own any overalls? Not currently. I probably still have that pair that I had that I loved that I will never fit into again somewhere. Would you like a pair? No. So I think you're they wrong. surround her and they very cruelly force her to look at crime scene photos of her parents. Yeah, that's not great. And she says she was trying to cover her face and they're pulling her hands away to make her look at the photos. And they're saying, you did this. And Bambi is crying, remembering this to Dennis, how horrible it was. And they do the same thing to Rick. They arrest both of them. Bambi says they're crazy. If she wanted the land back, she just had to tell her mom that, which kind of seems like she had told her mom that. And that was part of the why you said there was a feud over it. But she says it wasn't that big of a deal. Everyone has disagreements with their parents. And... Again, I want to point out they were going antiquing that day. Yeah. Unless she had planned to kill them and then set up the antiquing to make it look like they were on a good path. I don't know. Did it feel like that? That didn't. Yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate. So police, everyone around town thinks it's her. That stinks. It does. Because this is where 
all of her roots are like that Spanish moss tree. See, I just tied it in right there. Great job. But this is, and maybe he did too. We still don't know if yeah. the, what the editors did. But I also kind of feel like this is a little bit of prejudice because I think in small town, people found out she had a problem with pills. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people like to equate someone having a problem with drugs as possibly being able to commit bigger crimes. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, was this a robbery? Was no. anything taken? I didn't know. Did the, do they tell us that? Well, Humphrey's bow tie says that he didn't think it was a robbery. But that's all he says. He doesn't he, say why. Okay, that doesn't help me. All right. Yeah. So police think it's them. Everyone around the town thinks it's them. Worse, they're spreading the rumors that it's them directly to Bambi's sons, Nathan and Cody. Basically just telling them your mom and her boyfriend, Rick, did it. So they are young and impressionable and they think she did it. And she had Rick do it, maybe do it for her, but she was involved. So they hate her now. They hate their mom. That's awful. But she has this attorney, Jim Irvin, who is, God bless him, uh, a man of a certain age. He's an elderly <laughs> gentleman. He's an elderly, elderly man that is still practicing law. And he, God bless him. He's going to work to the day he dies. He believes in Bambi. He believes in her innocence. And he I hope we all have a Jim Irving. <laughs> I know. If you have a Jim Irving in your life that is an elderly lawyer, buy, buy him, him story worth. <laughs> Because that man has some stories to tell. I would love to hear your stories, Jim Irving. So he says it's a rush to judgment. There's no gunpowder residue on Bambi. What they thought was blood on her boot wasn't actually even blood. He says the polygraph results were super sus. The way they were asking the questions, they were too broad. So he's fighting for Bambi. Bambi and Rick sit in jail for six months. The prosecutor is just making them sit there because they're hoping that she'll confess. But she doesn't. She sticks to her guns that she did not do this. Finally, the judge says, you can't hold her anymore. You've got to charge her. So yeah. the prosecutor realizes when the judge makes him realize, I think, that he doesn't have enough evidence to bring to trial. So they have to let out. Bambi. And by this time, she has broken up with Rick. Aww. Dennis says to Rick, it sounds like she had your back, and then she didn't. Dennis! Dennis! <laughs> Don't rub it in his face, Dennis. You might be I hurting. Thought, I thought you liked Bambi. You're over here bonding with Bambi, and then you're going over with Rick and being like, she dropped you like a hot potato when you <laughs> needed her most. Stop rubbing salt in people's wounds, Dennis. Meanwhile, Rick still in jail. They're not letting Rick out of jail. They don't have any evidence, though, except for that spot of blood on his shoe, which he says he has a reasonable explanation for. Rick makes friends with another guy in jail. It is two inmates power walking along the yard, which is so cute. It's like how Joni power walks through the neighborhood. Did Dennis tell us that? Yeah, power walking. But he's just being colloquial, right? I don't know. I'm picturing like bo when Bobby Hill takes up power walking because he's like, it's the only sport authorized or endorsed by the AARP or something. I don't, I don't think that they are actually power walking. Do you think they are? No, I think they're just strolling. But they would do laps around the pod. That's what Rick says. Okay. 
He doesn't specify if they were slow, leisurely. What kind of walking. Right? Yeah. I would like to know what kind of walking. Because the real power walking, you don't take your feet off the ground. That's what in the Olympics or whatever, they compete in power walking. Have you ever seen these competitions? No, I'm dying to see it. It is so funny. You got to Google it. So they, you can't take your feet off the ground. It's like heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. It's like there's a special way. Oh, I've seen it. I have seen you- it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it almost looks like you're moonwalking, but yeah. forwards. Yes, forward, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. that's delightful. So this inmate that Rick is friends with, his name is Robert Mullins, and he's a petty crook. He seems way too interested in the case. He's Sorry. asking Rick about it. <laughs> Thought you said petty file. You said petty crook. <laughs> <laughs> no, there actually is a petty file later on in the story, though. But also, we see one picture of him that's sus, to use your word. Yeah. No, he's actually not the what you said. There's actually another one who I, when I was reading a little bit about the case. Really? Yes. Dying to know. So he, this guy, Robert, seems way too interested in the case. He's asking Rick about it every day. But Rick didn't find that weird because around that, those, around those parts, it was huge news. And so he thought, Uh, okay, it's not that weird that he's asking me all these stories. It's a little weird. It's still, it's. I think in jail, you're supposed to play it cool, like not act too interested. And this guy seems the opposite. On 60 Days In, they grill you the second you get in. Like, what's your story? Why are you here? What's your charges? When's your date? What's, you know, what are your really? papers? Yeah. And mm. they that's how they fish out, like, what they think of you. So on 60 Days In, you have to prepare and practice your story. And if something about it doesn't make sense, they will know right away that you are what? A plant, a mole, a oh, cop, undercover. That's right. They'll know if you're yeah if you're there for the show. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, Rick goes on trial for murder for Diane and Big Charlie. Humphreys, prosecuting, talks about the blood on the shoe. He thinks Rick's story doesn't make sense. Rick says he went into the bathroom to close the blinds so that Bambi wouldn't see all the blood, and that's when he stepped in it. Humphreys says his story doesn't hold water. Dramatic pause. Because the blinds were already closed. That's like a My Cousin Vinny moment. Like Joe Pesci should have delivered that line. So he's saying the blinds are already closed. He's totally lying about going in to close the blinds. Dennis says, was that the gotcha? And I thought, thought, wait, we might call it a water shoes moment if we were describing it. It was... Oh, remember water shoes? Remember water shoes? See, don't think about golden face. <laughs> remember we water shoes. We did solve shoes. a crime. Yeah. So there's a crime scene photo, which is taken supposedly hours before Rick was there, and they show the blinds are closed. Mm. That's not good. No. The star witness of the trial is... <laughs> Dennis is talking to Humphreys, and he says, he's what I would call a jailhouse snitch, although you would probably call him a jailhouse informant. And Humphreys Esquire says, no, he's a snitch. (laughs) (laughs) He he is. He does believe him, and he believes that Rick confessed to him because he knew things about the crime scene that he wouldn't know otherwise. Like what? There's one thing, basically, which is the D- this, okay. Get ready for some mental gymnastics that only a lawyer can do. 
And it's what I admire and both fear about lawyers. The DNA can had come back from the drops of blood at the crime scene from the bleeder who had done the killing and then left the house and dripped blood along the way. Mm-hmm. They don't belong to Rick. They belong to an unidentified male. So you would think logically, that means Rick didn't do it. Let Rick out of jail and stop trying him for murder. But according to Humphreys, that proves Rick did it. Why now? Mm-hmm. How is that? Because the snitch says that Rick had told him he had an accomplice. So this blood is obviously from that accomplice. Therefore, the snitch is telling the truth and Rick did it with an accomplice's help. Or get just w- hear me out, Humphreys. No, no. The snitch is lying and someone else entirely did it. And Rick was never there. Is that at all possible? How Humphreys is able to spin DNA that does not match the person he's charging for murder into a fact that he thinks makes him guilty right. is so impressive to me. Again, I am shocked to see that he's on Dateline saying this out loud. He's he's asking it up all the way. Oh, he, yeah, he is. He's asking it up. And if you don't know what Kimberly is referring to, explain yourself. It's Leah Askey from The Real Thing About Pam. The- it's a few episodes back, and for some reason, this is your first episode with us. Also, welcome. Yeah, welcome. So and Sorry. Sorry. But- it will be something I will call any prosecutor in the future who is railroading someone who is not guilty using facts that only make sense in their head. It's really blatant. And he's saying it out. Wouldn't you at this point when you're saying it out loud, mic'd up in front of Dennis Murphy, be like, oh, hold on. I think I've made a huge mistake. Right. It's just the power of that kind of belief. Yeah. That kind of, no, I'm right. Mm -hmm. And he did it. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what they talk about when they say tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. This is it. We're seeing it. Yep. So Humphreys is sad that he also can't try Bambi for murder. He says, "Her Dennis says, you think her fingerprints are all over this? And he says, figuratively, yes. Oh, Dennis. He says she was a spoiled woman who wanted the land and her kids, so she tricked Rick into doing this. And so Rick and his right-hand man broke into the house, hunted down Bambi's parents in their night clothes. So... Rick's defense attorney is now her turn. She says they have a puzzle, but the pieces don't fit together, mm-hmm. which we all know how incredibly frustrating that is. Speaking of solving puzzles, Best Fiends is the free-to-download puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. Solving each level is like trying to solve a crime. Do you go in fast and loose like the tunnel-visioned lawmen we see sometimes on Dateline, or do you sit back and methodically plan your moves five steps ahead of time like a calculated serial killer? Some methods work on some levels and some work on other levels. You have to know what your strategy is going to be on each level to work. Of course, Best Fiends is not as serious as Serial Killers and Dateline episodes. It's a fun game where you're killing animated slugs using insects, like one of my favorites, Carmen, who is a red cochineal? Cochineal? 
which I don't know. She's a cartoon and she's dressed like she's going to a luau. I Googled what a real cochineal is. Did you um, Google how to pronounce it? No, they didn't say. Let's just say Carmen is way cuter than what that real thing is. That's why they make me like insects because they draw them really cute. She's adorable. You can play Best Fiends casually like in the lie at the grocery store or you can play it super obsessively like me, which is how I got from level 2,642 the last time we talked about it to level 3,523, which is what I'm currently on. And I'm not ashamed, Katie. Wipe that look off your face. I'm proud because that means I've been prioritizing having fun and relaxing on my to-do list. I'm sorry. I think you're misreading scorn (laughs) as pure envy. Okay. I think that sounds like you had a lot of fun and I would like to also have fun. We all, you included, Katie, deserve to relax and have fun every single day. You don't have to wait until your to-do list is done. Life is too short. Relax and have some fun today. Go to the App Store or Google Play to download Best Fiends for free. And make sure you let me know your player name so we can be fiend friends. The best part is when you've run out of energy and you have to stop playing, but then you receive a bunch of energy gifts from your friends who are also other Date with Dateline listeners. And then you're like all filled up with energy and friendship. And it's a beautiful thing. And then you can keep playing for five more hours. It's wonderful. Plus, even more playtime with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. Check it out now. Try Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Highly recommend. Ooh, you're my best fiend. Thank you, Best Fiends. Thank you. Katie, I can't imagine getting married, period. But I especially can't imagine getting married and having to deal with family and the feuds. And the family situations like that we have from people who are not going antiquing. How do you even manage that when you're having a wedding? The stress. Oh, well, you have to have a really good friend. And a best friend to have during a wedding is Zola. Hmm. Because Zola takes out all the stress. When it comes to weddings, there are moments that you'll always remember. And it's not just about doing the walk down the aisle, cutting the cake. There are a lot of little moments Harkening back to Pam and Jib, that you want to take mental snapshots. Uh, For my wedding, it was definitely watching the pans down best maid of honor speech in the history of ever and ever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you know her, but she was really, really stupendous. Have fun and enjoy these special moments. And so you have to try Zola. Whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start. They've got your back for all of your wedding needs. And that's why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. Zola has everything you need all in one place. They've thought of everything, venues, invites, registry, and more. They'll be with you every step of your wedding journey like a best friend in your computer. And once you've set the date, you can send your save the dates and invitations right on Zola too. And there's so many great designs to choose from. You can also get a wedding website on Zola for free. And the wedding website is key for keep all your information organized and your guests directed towards one place so they're not texting you and emailing oh you the week, sometimes even the day of your wedding. No. And that's why it's so key that you can get this wedding website for free. And also free is not a word that's normally associated with weddings. So it's stupendous. 
But one really exciting part of getting married is your wedding registry. Whatever you want, no matter your interests, Zola has you covered. Whether it's pots and pans, camping equipment, maybe couples massage chairs, which I really regret not putting on my registry, Zola has it handled. Look, wedding planning shouldn't take over your life. And Zola has thought of everything so that you can plan the celebration that's right for the two of you and takes all the stress out of this really happy time in your life. So start planning the wedding you want at Zola.com forward slash date dateline. That's Z-O-L-A dot com forward slash date dateline. Zola D. Zola da, wedding fun. Zola, get your wedding done. Thank you, Zola. So basically, they're basing the entire case on a snitch who wants a deal. And that's what the defense attorney is saying. And that's what is happening. Robert who looks sus as Katie. It may Robert looks sus and he made Katie use the word sus. Katie does not use that word lightly. So that's how suspicious he looks. Yeah. So we shouldn't maybe base everything on this dude who was maybe getting a deal from this. And the DNA from the crime scene doesn't match. So Rick takes the stand to explain how I didn't have blood on my shoes when I was examined in the morning. I had it on my shoes after because I went in for the car keys. And they and, have record of that, right? Yeah. The, well, they had like, photos from when they first time stamped. saw him. Yeah. This is what. Yeah. No. The defense doesn't know who did it. I wish they did. But they say it wasn't Rick. Rick, however, is found guilty. He gets two life sentences. And Dennis, who is my favorite person ever right now in, on the planet. He's sitting with Rick and Dennis eagerly tells him, that's called a pine box sentence. You're getting out in a pine box when you're dead. <laughs> Dennis. But I, okay. It's so great that Dennis says this because it is the dentist of Dennis things to say. It is. But it also kind of gives away the plot here. Well, it, it, we don't know at this point what's happening. But we do now, because Dennis would not say that to someone who was probably still in prison. I think he would. I don't think he would. I think I Dennis does have I don't think he'd mean tact. it maliciously at all. But I think that Dennis would see that as tacky. I think. I don't know. You think Remember he would say Remember when he it? held up the megaphone and said, in the voice distorter, and said, is this what it sounded like when you were kidnapped? I still feel like Pine Box <laughs> is a bridge too far. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So when Bambi hears the news that Rick was convicted, she's so confused. She thinks, "How could he have done this? But then she thinks, no, I know him. He couldn't have done this. So she doesn't know what to think. Rick yeah. feels like he's been sandbagged. I don't know what that means, but Dennis says it. Are you serious? Is it like... Are you... What do you mean you don't know what sandbag means? Is it like stonewalled? You've never heard the term being sandbagged? This is like the plane is the nose on your face or whatever you didn't know from the other time. Railroaded? Yes. Sandbagged. Something about Dennis's colloquialisms and your past do not line up to have made you hear you have not heard that before i don't know that's a that's a super common one what was the other one you didn't know that surprised me nose is out of joints 
And I was yeah. not alone. 90% of our listeners, at least the ones that voted in our Twitter poll, had also never heard that. So I am thinking about this wrong. It's not that you have not heard things that I have heard a thousand times. It's that Jen- Dennis is jogging pants. Dennis is jogging pants. Dennis so is your people. Dennis and I have lined up. It's not that you don't yeah. know these things. It's that Dennis and I are simpatico. Yeah. I've probably heard sandbagged before. I have never heard noses out of joints before. Sandbagged, I could feel somewhere in the recesses of my memory. P.S. When we saw Dennis at CrimeCon and I told him that, as we were leaving the room, he winked at me and said, don't get your nose out of joint. He did. He loved you. Okay. Press so on. Rick feels like he's been sandbagged, but he has faith in God and a good appellate lawyer. His there name is go. Bob Duddick. He says in his 22-year career, he's only felt that three or so of the people he was fighting for were innocent. <laughs> That's and, rough, Bob. And That's one of them rough. is Rick. I love that. If you were watching this episode and he was your lawyer, he thought you were guilty. He fought for you anyways. And who are we kidding? You probably were. You probably were guilty. You were watching this dateline from your cell. Or you got out because he helped you get out because he's very good. But he knows you deserve a good attorney even if you are fully guilty of sin. And he thinks most of you are. So, but he thinks Rick was innocent. So a year after his verdict, Rick is in prison and another inmate runs up to him. And I would say stay away from all other inmates at this point, Rick, because other inmates seem to do you dirty. But this inmate runs up to him and says, they just arrested someone for a home invasion in Tennessee. And Rick is okay. And the guy says, his DNA matches the mystery DNA at Diane and Big Charlie's murders. How does he know that? This other inmate heard it on, I don't know, on the news? But see in what the I'm rec saying? room? Yeah. I don't know. His lawyer maybe came in and told him? I don't know. But hmm. Rick is just floored. They've arrested someone else and his DNA was at the crime scene. His name is Bruce Hill. Rick says he's never met Bruce. But to get Rick freed from prison, his lawyer needs to prove that there is no connection because you know what Humphreys is going to say. Humphreys is going to say that's his accomplice. We knew there was an accomplice and that's him, even though there's no proof these two men have ever met. He doesn't really seem to need proof. It's not really high on the list of needs. Right. So Bob goes to visit this Bruce Hill in prison and he shows him a photo of Rick. And Bruce says, and I quote, No, don't quote it. I can't quote it. It Go for it. They did it on Dateline. They bleeped it. I've never seen that cracker blank before. I'm guessing that blank blank was a... F word? MF, maybe? Or an F? It seems like a one word. Oh, so just an F-er then. Oh, yeah. I thought you were worried about me saying cracker. No, I said cracker 45 times the other episode. And I think as a parrot. (laughs) That was a different kind of cracker. (laughs) So Bruce says, I've never seen that cracker blank before. And Dennis raises his eyebrows (laughs) like cookies. And Dennis is not shocked by much. But they need Bruce to testify to this in court that he didn't have an accomplice. He's never met Rick before. And Bruce flat out refuses. 
Why? He, because he's a murderer. He doesn't care if he ha- there's another guy in jail for something he didn't do. He's not going to help him. He's literally just being a jerk. He's just being a jerk. He's being petty. You're being you're a petty Betty right now. You're Bruce. not only a murderer. You're just kind of a a D. You're kind yeah, of being a D word for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's messed up. So Rick is he's still obviously in prison. He works in the chapel. Another inmate comes in. <laughs> I was like, stop talking to these inmates. Yeah. This new inmate walks in. They start chatting. And this new inmate was once in jail with, wait for it, Robert Mullins, the jailhouse snitch that got oh. him put away at the beginning. Now walk away. Robert has admitted to this new inmate he lied about everything. And he was proud of what he had done. That he had gotten. So Robert is super sus. Hold on a second. But he also snitched on himself. It's in snitch inception. It's snitch inception, but the second person he snitched to was another inmate. It wasn't to police or anything. No, but it's the same thing. He was trying to get the other inmate to snitch, and then he did the thing that he was trying to get Rick to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, no, he, the whole wait, time. No, wait, start at the beginning. Okay, sorry. So he's his whole goal... Mullen's goal was to get Rick, like, was to get him to tell his story about the murder, right? So he could snitch to the cops. Right. So who's to say that this other inmate, when Mullins was with him, was trying to get him to snitch? See what I'm saying? It's a snitch circle. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a snitch circle. It's bad. Actually, that's a great title. Hold on a sec. (laughs) So Robert says he admits everything. He's proud of what he's done. And they call it a snitch on snitch story. I have another title that I like better that I'm going to save for titles because it's my only good title. A judge rules that the result of Rick's trial would be different without Robert lying. You think? (laughs) So he vacates the conviction. He says the new solicitor in the county who replaced Humphreys, because thank God Humphreys is out of there by now, he could retry him if he wants to, but he says, no, hard pass. This is a bad case. Why would I do that? I'm not a Humphreys. So after eight years, Rick walks out of prison with his things in a paper bag. So Rick is out of jail. Yay, that's very exciting. Yes, it is. And then I'll say now, so you're thinking the hero of the story is really this third inmate, the one who got Robert to admit that he lied. But? He's the real pedophile when I gave it a bing. So don't, he's not, we're not, I don't even remember his name, but he's, lest you think he's the hero of the story, he is not. He is like a church deacon or something as well that was doing things with school children. So oh, no, but then he was hanging out in the chapel. In and prison. he's hanging out in the chapel still. He hasn't lost oh, his faith, even though have, his faith have, has would have wished that he would have lost their number. Um, I have questions. So Bambi, great. meanwhile, has cut ties with most of the people she grew up with because these people didn't believe her. And so she's she wants an apology from them, the whole town, basically. And she wants an apology from Humphreys, Esquire. Dennis tells Humphreys, you know, she wants an apology from you. And Humphreys does this smug smile. And in true asking it Hup fashion, he says, she's not getting that. She's entitled to something from me, but an apology is not it. 
Explain yourself, sir, because I don't know what you're what do trying you mean? to what a, are you intimating here? A kick in the keister? What does he mean? What are, is it are you being sexual? No, what the middle you, finger? That's what she deserves from you? I meant I thought it meant more like a a warrant. She she like deserves she deserves. A, oh right, because a, she a never handcuffs. got charged. Right, because she never got charged. So she, so you still think he did it, even though it's been proven now that Rick didn't do it. You still think that she did it, even though this other guy did it. And we need Keith Morrison to come in and go <laughs> stack his little papers, toss down his stack of papers, and roll his eyes. Yeah, I don't. I really don't get it at this point. I really don't get the just clinging to facts that aren't facts. What are you doing? Yeah. I just don't think he knows. I wonder if he watched the episode, though, and was like, oh, this is maybe not great. I don't think Leah watched the episode and thought this wasn't great. I think what he, I and the sad thing is, I think what may have happened is that he watched it and was like, well, they didn't, you know, that's not they really what happened. Wrong. And yeah. maybe it is. Maybe there's information that is happening here that we don't know. But but you did convict someone who didn't do it. That's the facts say that. And it didn't seem like there was enough evidence to convict him. Right. Honestly, it didn't. Right. I don't see how you could get there. So in other sad news, Bambi's elderly attorney, Jim, has passed away. Jim but Irving. Jim, we love you, Jim. R.I.P. Thank you we for really believing do. in Bambi. Thank you for believing in Bambi when I, the first time I saw this episode, did not believe in Bambi entirely. I was not sure about Bambi. Really? I'm not embarrassed to say that. Oh, I kind of did. For the first half, I was not sure. Why? She has all the motive. Like th three weeks before, she got into this fight over custody of her kids. And the property of the, like, she has the, all the motive in the world. But she had gotten the kids back. But they were still, might be fighting for them. And mm. the property. Yeah, and historically in Dateline's property does seem to be a thing. Dennis is not and wrong. And so do custody of children. Oh, and yeah, for sure. And it's usually a family member. It's usually not a stranger. These stranger murders are very rare. That it is some mm -hmm. random person. True. And I would have loved to have known if there was anything at all taken from the crime scene. Well, they do say they don't know what Bruce's motive was, which kind of makes me think there wasn't anything taken. But maybe he went in thinking he was going to rob it, and then he was surprised that they were there. Or maybe he just committed some horrible murders. Did he do those other random murders that happened in the town that we still know nothing about? Really good question. Or maybe he was just looking for like, quick cash or something but they didn't really have stuff like that right i don't know the good news is that finally bambi's children believe that she didn't do it and they are close to her again and yeah. that's really really sweet she's still angry though she's saying this case doesn't feel completely solved and then she says in this great way that is i feel like a very southern is she's saying it in this very polite way but the undertone is f you and she says and she's smiling. Maybe if they took their time at the beginning, we wouldn't be in this predicament today. Just like the most polite way you can say you've ruined everything. Thanks, Humphreys. Kind of did, though. Dennis in his voiceover says, maybe they shouldn't keep digging for answers. Digging in the past. 
let's just keep it rooted right where it is and let the Spanish moss grow. Perfect circle. Great job, Dennis. Love it. It's a, what did you call it? A snitch circle. It's the snitch circle. It's the complete snitch cycle. Yeah. Uh, This episode was dedicated to our Patreon, Stephen W. from Florida. Stephen, when's your birthday? Now, Stephen, are you doing this for your wife and you just put it under your own name? Is that possible? Don't say that. Why do you say, oh, my phone just died. I was going to try to look up Stephen's Florida man story. (laughs) That's a shame. No, Stephen, we really appreciate you. Thank you for being Patreon. That's very exciting. Uh, We can tell you're a good kind of Florida man. You're not the kind who's going to inject a police officer with meth with your pants down and (sighs) riding a crocodile at the same time. But also, you're the Dennis kind of Florida man. Yeah, that's the good kind. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Do you have some B-roll bonanza, Katie? I have a few. Bambi walking through the woods, which I felt like was dangerous Mm. because of, Mm -hmm. yeah, the cartoon. So Humphreys is slowly stepping around the crime scene. And that's what I'm saying, that the house is clearly deserted because they keep showing us shots of it and it's very dilapidated. Okay. Yeah, and so I think it's just, and that's what Dennis is trying to tell us at the end, that the land is sort of... Because that's now. This episode was 10 years later. So this, when they're filming Humphreys walking around, it's dilapidated now. But it wasn't then. Isn't that what Dennis is telling us at the end? That it's everything's kind of overgrown and they've just let the property go? He's telling us that then, so it's even more dilapidated now. Right. That Yeah. In so present saying, day. And it's run down now. Humphreys is walking around on the property. Dateline was given permission to yeah. shoot there now. That 10 years sense. later with yeah, the house is dilapidated saying. and the moss is hanging and everything. Yeah. And because Humphreys is like moss, right out. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure. Excuse me. Thank you. Yeah. I had to qualify it. But Humphreys is walking around the crime scene in a cable knit sweater, which is a good look for him. No bow tie. Or bow... There was no bow tie with the sweater. It was like a high collar sweater. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he likes stuff on his neck. I did write down the choppy slow-mo through the house. It's, But it's so low to the ground, too. It's literally like, I'm kind of picturing some sort of demon that also crawls on the ceiling, though. Like, Samira, the ring. Yeah. Doesn't she go on the ground? Maybe, but that might be something of which I'm thinking. The exorcist, the spider walk? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, that freaked me out. Uh, Big Daddy Charlie with a big giant fish. Mm-hmm. That's a massive fish. Huge fish. Also, they're heavy, those big fishes. Mm-hmm. That's like 100 pounds that he's mm-hmm. holding right there. That was wild to me. I've seen Big Tuna, that show. What's the show that I was obsessed with where they go out and look for tuna? Isn't that Wicked Tuna? Is it Wicked Tuna? I loved I that know. show. I watched every episode of that show. So I was really into it for a while. That was bad. And I really wanted to do it. I still might do it. Anyways, I'm assuming that Big Charlie is called Big because he's 6'5". How tall is Charlie? He's not a big guy. It could be ironic, like Big Ed on 90 Day Fiance. That's not ironic. 4'11". But he has girth. That's not why, though. He calls himself Big Ed to be funny because he's so short. Yeah. Interesting. I had forgotten that tidbit, and I could have... Not known that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. I liked seeing Vivian Skipper in the flower shop. Yeah, I loved her. Bring her back. 
Bring more Viv. I want to hear all her hot goss about the town. I Me too. What did you have? Rick is walking in jeans and a sweater on the beach. And mm-hmm. then shortly after, Bambi is walking on the beach. And then Bambi- How'd she get to the woods and the beach? And she's standing on a dock. So she's oh, on some right. sort of other body of water, like oh a river or something. So okay. they took Bambi all over town. And then there's one of Bambi's- well, what is this town? I don't- It looks delightful because there's one of her sons who are leaning on a fence, very Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer kind of vibes. Are we going to talk about the sons? They lo- they're cute. I thought they were going to be- bows but they turn out to be okay very well spoken and the one looks like he ought to be in pictures yeah very cute the hair is really what got me it's perfect rock star hair if he doesn't play a guitar it's a shame (laughs) it's it's like kings of leon hair we see a weather vane too i don't think we've seen many of those oh that's good i'm surprised we don't see those more often Mm -hmm. but that's all i have fashion police yeah so bambi's hair yeah that's the it's. I'll let Katie describe its main style, but we do see an older photo of her where she's brunette with bangs like Shannon Doherty and 90210. Yes. But her current hair is really what everyone in town is talking about. We do see a few By everyone, pictures I mean of us. her through the years mm-hmm. and looks like she likes to change her hair often. Yeah, much like know. someone else we know. Don't know anyone like that, but it seems fun. She has, I just called it, cool skunk hair because I like when people the black and white is very hard to do and it's something that I love Daphne Guinness has it which is so cool if you don't know who she is look her up and look at her hair it is I just look at pictures of her hair because it's so cool but Bambi has sort of a shag do where it's jagged in the front it's like a slanted cut and it's bleached white on top and then black underneath which again... And shorter, like shaved shorter on the bottom. Really short. Yeah, long on one side and then short all the way sort of around the back, but long in the front on yeah. the one side. It's asymmetrical. But again, that black and white is really hard to do because you're bleaching part of your hair, adding black to the other part, which I don't know how you wouldn't end up with a gray blob in the middle. Yeah. I would end up with a gray blob. Yeah. But she doesn't. It's crisp. Mm-hmm. color so she must have a colorist it's or she does it herself maybe we don't know what she does they yeah, never told I could us see her, her job working in a hair salon though i could see her doing that too also she had her nails were kind of painted and stuff so maybe she, has she big does hoop earrings very fashion and she had a really cool sort of off the shoulder shirt that showed her tattoos she's very individualistic mm-hmm. and i think in a small just- town like that that's probably hard to do Yeah, and I also think she's really been through it Mm -hmm. and just kind of doesn't care anymore. So good for you, Bambi. And seems to have a good relationship with her sons now, which is great. They're all laughing in that one Uh b-roll. They seem to genuinely, the sons spoke very genuinely about now being able to hug their mom and really mean it. Yeah, And I thought that was really sweet and poignant. Anyways, I think Bambi maybe got a bad rap. Yeah. That's not fair. No, not at all. She and she I, lost I, her whole, whole family, practically. She should do something with that land, though. Yeah. It seems like it's dead, though, according to how Dennis describes it. But there's still that sp- Spanish moss tree. Mineral rights. Yeah, I don't <laughs> sell what's under the land. But yeah. also, why don't you just sell off part of it, though? Like, sell it in pieces. Keep part of it. Maybe she has. Off, Maybe you know? the current owners gave it Dateline permission. Maybe she doesn't own it anymore. Good point. 
I wonder, or maybe she wants to leave it to her sons. Maybe yeah. it's something she thinks will be valuable to them. It's got to yeah. be worth something, though. Well, land, period, is worth something. Mm-hmm. In most places. People are willing to die for it the <laughs> most. Dennis told Remember? me so. Dennis already told you. I don't know what you're doing. Okay, then something really important happens before we get to Fran Hump. First of all, I don't know if I've ever heard of a Francis going by Fran. Mm. That was interesting to me. A they male, kept referring to him as Fran. Yeah, I've never heard that for a man. Maybe it's very Southern. Maybe. Interesting. But then, it, no, I, I, I have an I would go by Humphreys. I have an Aunt Fran, and she was a woman. But I think Francis, go by Frank? I don't know. I'm trying to think. And then I know one other Francis, and she goes by Franny. That's cute. I like that. So I don't know. Regardless, Rick. Rick is who I want to talk about, because in his Rick. B-roll. Rick, Rick. Rick is- Does anyone that remember that from SNL? No one remembers that from SNL. I don't. Maybe. I'm sure people are laughing because they do. Rick's in a Henley. (gasps) That's the shirt that Dennis wore at the lake. Yeah. That I thought looked like a pajama top. Yeah. Because it did look like a pajama top. I still stand by that it does not. And Dennis (laughs) was trying something new. and But this could be the origin story. Yeah, maybe. As soon as he saw Rick wearing it and he's like, that looks, that's a sharp looking top. Does Rick also, does he look like someone? Rick looks so much like someone. Who is it? It drove me kind of bananas. He looks like this other guy that was on a dateline that we also haven't covered. So that's not helpful at all. That's absolutely Um, not. He looks for sure like somebody. If someone can put it together, I will send you a mug. There is someone that he looks like, but I'm not placing it either. But I'm thinking of an actor. Yeah, I might be thinking of an actor. It's really Or I could be thinking of someone from like... Real world Portland. I kept thinking it's not Sean Bean, but it's someone that reminds me of Sean Bean. Who is it? It drove me nuts. I'm not placing it. Okay, back to Fran really quick. Who's Sean um, Bean? He was in Game, Game of Thrones. Of Thrones and oh, a bunch the dad. Of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think he looks like Sean Bean. It's not Sean Bean. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. it's somebody esque. It's a, that doesn't help at all either. So Fran Humphreys Jr. Esquire. The the seventh. He is wearing a red and blue and sort of gray neckwear, but mainly red and blue with a white shirt. And in one of the interview scenes, Dennis is also wearing white shirt with some light checks on it with a red and blue tie. They are literally matching. Oh. In the scene, and it keeps going back and forth between them both. And I was like, oh, oh, it's a lot. Also, Francis Humphreys Jr. Esquire had a soul patch with his bow tie. Did you notice it? No. I need you to look at it. Did he really? Yes, ma'am. I didn't see it right away, and I thought for sure you had spotted it, because you're normally really good at that. I think I was so distracted by the bow tie. It might- And the haircut. The bow tie might be there to distract you from the fact he has a soul patch, which in that case, just Just shave it. Just shave the soul patch. Just shave it. You don't need it. Also, is the soul patch there- or the flavor saver, whatever people call it, which is... That's... No, um, that's disgusting. If people... Is it there to just prove you can grow hair on your face? Yeah. Because I feel Why like... Why do you have it? I feel like the bow tie is sort of... It wants to convey, I host a musical parody show about politics that is sponsored by NPR. But then the soul patch is like, but I'm also really hip. And they don't go together. What would Dennis call it? He would say it's look at me police attire. What would he call it? Look at me detective <laughs> yeah, like a gotcha. wear. Yeah, eye catching. Yeah. 
we also just saw maybe the most dapper detective on the planet in our last week's episode. Remember? Brown fedora, brown pinstripes. Oh, yes, of course, with Mankey on the roof. Yeah. I mean, he was the most dapper. Yeah. In the history of absolutely, line, maybe. And so maybe it's a comparison thing. Yeah. That Humphreys. Humphreys just didn't do himself a lot of favors in this episode. I think Humphreys have other skills that were not highlighted in this dateline. If Humphreys, Humphreys had came on and said he made a mistake and that he put someone in jail for eight years and that was a mistake. He did not. He doubled down. He doubled down. He Leah did help. Ask he did help. You are going to make that work. I'm trying. Even though it is the hardest thing to say and remember. I know. <laughs> it's fine. You made it work. I'm leaving it all in. Okay. Titles. Salt of the earth peppered with crime. Okay. Before their time. Oh, oh I thought you were doing something with their, her hair because it's salt and pepper. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. That's too smart. Darn it. Two right. sides to every story and two colors to every hairstyle. Okay. That's yeah. not a real title. All bow tied up. Oh, there you go. That's good. Snitch on snitch sitch. No. Oh, drop Thank it. You. And then my best, drop the mic. And Ooh. my best title which is more of a serious title, is A Chance for Kaylee. No, it is No Good Deed Goes Unpunished because... Do you have that too? That was also my best title. Because he went in, he shut the blinds so she wouldn't see to protect her. That's exactly why I wrote it. And he got eight years in jail for it and also The Deed. The episode is called The Deed because of The Deed. That's We're it. Soulmates. We're done. I'm seriously soul patch mates. So we, <laughs> we did it. I feel like that is some beauty that like at the five year mark, we yeah. finally did the same title, same reason. Yeah. We've only done it a couple of it's, times. It's and there have been rare. a few times that I'm like, I thought you would get there. Yeah. And we both did it. I'm not even telling you my other titles because that was my best one. <laughs> We're, we are champions. That Yay. makes me smile in my heart. You guys are the real champions for being with us for five years, unless you're someone who just found us last week, and we appreciate you in just as case, much. In which case, you will have to figure out what asking the HUP means. Good, good luck to you. Our newest listeners, we appreciate you so much. We're so glad you found us. Yes, we do. And you have five years of episodes to listen to. <laughs> good luck. So thank you. And we, we, it's seriously to all of you who have been around since the beginning. Thank you. Or early on, especially at like our first time we did Patreon. All of you guys that have been so loyal from the beginning, we appreciate it. And everyone who left sweet messages on social media about our five-year anniversary, we appreciate every single one of you. And keep telling friends and leaving us good reviews and it makes all the difference. And, you know... Here's to five more, maybe. Here's to five more. Thank you so much, everyone, for sticking with us. We really do appreciate it more than you'll ever know. That is true. We are grateful for you every day. And, and don't watch alone. Keep watching with us. Ding. And be your own bow tie. And be your own bow tie. That's the best. <laughs> it's better to be your own soul patch if I oh, have no, to choose. Good. Yeah, it's really good. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're okay. I did get a text from my mom. Honey, loved Goldfinger. Now, okay, and then something else. Something. 
Please ease tell your fans because the office is on 24-7 that it is really annoying for me. I listen to the news nonstop, but dad watches the same episodes over and over again. There is a great show about smuggling in airports, flipping houses, hoarding, just more crime, I guess. I also listen a lot to the stock market news with dad, where I feel as if I am learning something, but no on the office for me. I am sorry to you, Katie, and all of your fans who love this show. Is there any way we could get your mom to record her saying that message? <laughs> How? I mean, Joni, all is forgiven. You're a delightful human. And if I had to watch, let's say I love Mama's family. But if I had to watch Mama's family round the clock for years, <laughs> I, I might tire of it. Yeah. Bobo. <laughs> Sorry. A few people got very excited at that. But Mama. <laughs> But then he's um, just a poser. Yeah. You got to have jaunty within your spirit it, or it means nothing. I feel like that when I wear ruffles. I feel like a poser. <laughs> ruffles denote that you're like kind of happy and frivolous. And right. I'm neither of those. So <laughs> I, it's a lie. I'm generally grumpy. So it's fine. But anyways. Sorry. That made me laugh that Dennis said night clothes there because... Because you know, you know there's an Ebenezer Scrooge night. It's sent night apparel in Dennis's to wardrobe. on Schitt's Creek when he's wearing the night when he keeps calling it a night shirt. I, I might call it a dressing gown or something. And he, they're like, "Say hi to Bob Cratchit for me." But that is what I picture Dennis having. Yes, multiples of maybe oh, yeah. a couple. And at so his he's cabin assuming well. they had them as well. They probably did. They lived on farmland. They were. Yeah. If you have a barn that's known as the Tobacco Farm, yeah, you absolutely have multiple nightshirts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I might get myself a nightshirt or two. You deserve it. Does Faraday dot com have nightshirts? No, I don't think so. I'm gonna check <laughs> it out. Also, is a soul patch for men kind of like how women overline their lips? <laughs> is it a lip volumizer thing where you feel like maybe you have a weak bottom lip? Maybe. Maybe a chin, a weak bottom chin. No, a chin is on the bottom inherently. <laughs> a weak bottom chin as opposed to a weak upper chin. Right. Yeah. Which is the one that's on your temple. Right. I don't know. I If you're out there and you have a soul patch or you have a gentleman in your life with yeah. a soul patch. What are they hiding? Can you just ask them? Yeah. Why do you feel like you need it? Is it What's also just that you have to feel like you have some sort of hair? So right. it's just that one little thing. Right. 